Amen. Glory to God. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus some more. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Tis the season, but we celebrate Jesus all year, don't we? Amen. Is he not worthy to be praised and honored and worshiped and adored and, and served? Amen. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. We are so grateful today. We need you to look with us. Uh, we have a few scriptures to look at together. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 3 for a moment. The third chapter of Genesis. This is the chapter that explains how Father Adam sinned in the garden. And also lets us know why we're all born sinners. Amen. Natural born sinners. That's who you are. And there's been a sin problem ever since. Amen. But the Lord fixed that sin problem. We're going to skip a little bit. We're not going to read the whole chapter to you. <laughs> born sinner. If you don't believe it, give him enough time, Jason, he'll prove it to you. Amen. Look what it says here at verse 9. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee, thou should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. I'm going to pause there for a moment. I don't want y'all to think that Adam is blaming Eve. He's blaming God. He said, I was minding my own business. Yeah, I was lonely. But I was minding my own business and you gave me this woman to be my wife. And she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And she's going to say, well, the serpent tricked me, which is true. He did trick her. And then the Lord has some things to say to her and to the serpent. I'm going to skip down to verse 15. Well, let me tell you what he says to Adam first. And the, oh. Uh, verse 13. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above all every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, I'm not sure what kind of animal that snake was before this happened to him. But we know what he is now, right? And I will put enmity between thee. And the woman between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, I want you to understand something here. Women do not have seed. Okay? That A comes down through the fallopian tubes. Y'all been in physiology classes, right? Or some of these moms could tell you exactly what happens. 
okay? But she does not have seed. Seed comes from the male. But there's a woman that's given a seed that's not from a man. Amen? And that woman, of course, we know is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, we don't want our focus to be on Mary, though. See, if we just focus on the virgin birth, we miss a whole, we miss a whole lot. It's not about the virgin who gave birth. It's about whom she birthed. Okay? And what's happening here is that there's a problem, there's a sin problem that started from the garden. Father Adam sinned. All right? It says in Romans, by one man's sin, all this trouble happened. But by one man's obedience, all this salvation is available to us. Okay? So Father Adam sinned, and Adam cannot fix the sin. Moses, Abraham, David, none of them can fix the sin problem. Nobody, Mary can't fix the sin problem either. God had to fix it himself. And he had to fix it as a man. Hear what I'm saying? Only God can fix the sin problem. He's the only one that could do it. And he had to do it as a man. Okay? That's why Christ came into the world. That's why he came, born of the virgin, the son of God. Right? Fully human, fully divine. And that's why he lived and worked and even died for our sins, according to the scripture. And was risen again. All right? Because God had, that's how God fixed the sin problem. He did it himself as a man. Amen? Now, now the, the, I understand there's a mystery here. Because the math doesn't work out. Because the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, yet there's only one God. Okay? And so the math doesn't work out, and you logical folk, you have to forgive us. Okay? There's only one God. But the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not one third of a God, and another third, and another third. No, 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 no. Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. How many gods are there? Well, just one. Just one. Okay? Because God is a spirit, you know, he could do that. Okay? God is a spirit. They that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. All right, so here's the problem. So here's the fix. The seed of the woman's going to bruise your head. And you're going to bruise his heel. Uh, he's, so Satan's going to take a head blow. Figuratively, he's going to take a head blow. And it's going to knock him out. It's going to defeat him. And Jesus' heel is going to be bruised. He's going to suffer in his body. But it won't defeat him because he's going to be victorious in all this. Okay? Um, let's move on. I need you to look with me to Micah chapter 5. Michael's one of the smaller books, one of the minor prophets. Amen. We'll wait for you. In Micah chapter 5, it's going to tell us where, where Christ will be born. Now, when you, when you study... Um, when the Magi comes, the wise men, the three kings, whatever you want to call them, when they come, 
to Jerusalem to see the Christ child. Christ is already a few years old, right? And they come to the king. <laughs> they come to Herod and say, where is he? He's born king of the Jews, right? That's kind of bold. You go to the king saying, where's the new king? Basically, that's what you're saying. Where is the guy that replaces you? Where is the one that's better than you? Because you don't really belong here. Where is the real king? And so these guys come and ask Herod that. And you know what Herod does? He asks his counsel. And they go to the scriptures to find out where Christ was supposed to be born. And so these, I almost called them names. These, <laughs> these individuals, these disobedient and sinful individuals looked up in the scriptures and found it. And this is what they read. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old and from everlasting. So they found the scripture that says Christ was to be born in Je Bethlehem. Okay? Now why couldn't the priests find it? Why couldn't the elders know that? Because they don't want to know it. But that's another thing altogether. All right? So, so, here, so here's where it says he's to be born. In the city of David. Right? You know, he's being born in the city of David because he's a descendant of David. He's a descendant of kings on the natural side, and he's the son of God on the spiritual side, right? All right, let's move on. We've got to look at another scripture. We've got to go to Isaiah chapter 7. We'll go down to verse, verse 13. This is Isaiah the prophet talking to one of the kings, and he's going to prophesy something different. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you the weary men? But will ye weary my God also? All right? You know, it's, it's no big deal. You're going to bother the people, but you're going to bother God too? Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorredest shall be forsaken of both her kings. In other words, Israel, the southern kingdom, and Judah, the northern kingdom, will both lose their kings, all right? Because at this point, at the time of the birth of Christ, they're going to be under Roman rule. But it says here, now we found out where he's going to be born. He's going to be born in, Jeru in Bethlehem. And it says here he's going to be born of a virgin. 
A virgin shall, shall bear a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel being God with us. Okay? Y'all with me? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. Okay, Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to go down to verse 6. Verse 6 and 7. Here's the one that you're familiar with, right? For unto us a child is born. You know this one by heart. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. From henceforth and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. So unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon the shoulders, the Bible says. Now, what we talked about this before, I've told you all in the past, that there's a lot going on in this scripture, and there's a lot here that's not being written. There's not said, there's not said because there's, you have to plug some other things in. All right? So a child is born and a son is given. But guess what? The government shall be upon the show. They shall call his name. They're not calling his name wonderful. They call him a blasphemer. They call him a wine-bibber. They call him a friend of sinners. Okay? They call him a liar. A liar. And they even accuse him of being a little crazy. Because what is happening in between the, where it says a son is given and the government shall be upon the shoulders, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. There's a whole age. There's years. There's years of time in there. And part of that time is going to be found in Isaiah chapter 53. Let's look at that together. In Isaiah chapter 53, this is what some people call the gospel according to Isaiah. Oops. And here it is. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This is happening. After unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and then this happens. Okay? Look what it says here. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. 
he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, we said that he's getting what he deserves. That's what, that's what that means. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. In other words, we're saying that he's getting what he deserves, but he's really getting what we deserve. You hear that? You and I deserve the bruising and the judgment and the condemnation. We deserve that stuff, but he's taking it on for us. All we, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All our sin and degradation and iniquity and weaknesses and stuff has been laid on Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He did not defend himself, y'all. Now, most people, when they get accused of something, even if they've done it, they start defending. Right? You accuse me, I'm going to deny every bit of it. Come on now. Even if they're guilty, they, they defend themselves. And they even deny some of the stuff they know they did. People do that, okay, because we're trying to get out of this trouble. All right? But he did not do any of that. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who has declared his generation? In other words, who's going to tell his people who's going to represent him? Nobody represents him. He does not have a public defender. For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Look at verse 10, y'all. Yet it pleased the Lord, or you could say it appeased the Lord. Okay? To bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The father is going to see the sufferings of the son and be satisfied with it. Why? Because he's an angry God. Oh, yeah, y'all said God is love. Sure he is. He's, he's a God of love. A God of mercy. God of peace. Right? Oh, a loving God, a holy father. But he's also an angry God. Angry at sin. All right? And the problem with sin is that sin requires judgment. And the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins shall die. And we all came, we were all born with a death sentence. Amen. There's a funeral this afternoon we have to pray about, one tomorrow. 
because soul that sins shall die. We're all going to go this way unless we get caught up in the rapture. Okay? But here's the problem. The problem is that you and I, even if we died for our sins, that would not be good enough. God would not be satisfied with that. He would not be, it would not appease the angry God. Okay? It would not appease him. The only thing that worked on our behalf was this Jesus, the son of the living God, the Christ himself. He who knew no sin became sin that you and I could become righteousness in him. And look at verse 10. It said, it, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Another scripture talks about Jesus said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. For the joy that was set before him. Doc quoted that earlier today, right? And so it, this, this is the only thing that satisfied the requirement of death. And that could be applied to anybody. You seeing what I'm saying? This, this judgment here that Jesus took on, can his judgment, that judgment he took on that we deserve, that he took willingly, can that, that redemption and that salvation and that mercy can be applied to us and anybody else. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or where you're from, any of that stuff. This can be applied to you. All right? It says he shall see the travail. So it, says, it says here that the, the father is going to see this stuff and is going to be satisfied with it. I am satisfied with that. Okay? Hey, you ever, um, you ever, have some, you ever been angry with somebody? Sure you have. Yeah. You know, because they offended you. All right? And, or they have, maybe they've taken something from you, and, and you, you fired up, and you're hot, and you're angry. You're not mad because we don't get mad, y'all. We get angry. We get angry, and you're grieved, and you're upset about it, right? And then that person comes and tries to make peace with you. And he or she, they pro provide gifts and apologies and other things to, to uh, appease your anger. So you won't be angry with them forever, right? And you know what the scripture says. The scripture says to love and, and forgive and stuff like that, but you, str you struggle with that. Sure we do. We struggle with that forgiveness thing, man. And it says, get forgive so you can be forgiven. Uh-huh. And we struggle with that. And so, so this, person, this person does all kind of stuff to appease your anger. All right. Can you imagine trying to appease the angry God? There's no way to appease him. There's no way to satisfy him. This was the only way. What Jesus did was the only way to satisfy God. Actually, he did it himself, really. This is the only way. All right? Oh, since we're talking about this, we might as well flip over to Philippians chapter 2. Some of y'all know, know I'm predictable, right? And you knew where I was going to go next. That's in the New Testament, by the way. Philippians chapter 2. This is what Christmas is all about. Ho, 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 ho. 
Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we'll wait for you a little bit. It's nice to hear pages turning. You 21st century saints. Yeah, some people still use their Bible, the actual book. We're going to start at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery or something to grasp, something to achieve, to be equal with God. So the Son is equal with the Father. Y'all know that, right? Amen. Amen. Now, I know some of you, <laughs> some of you folks have children, and you're looking at them, no way they're equal to me. <laughs> but what we're saying is that they're made of the same stuff that you are. Okay? They're, you're fully human, and your child, despite what you believe, is fully human too. Okay? That's what we mean by being equal. All right? Because we know that you the mama, you the dad, and you the boss, and, and you run the house, and, and all that stuff. There's no equality there. But we're talking about them being made of the same stuff you're made of. Okay? Who being of the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, our form, right? And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, as a human being, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Not just any old death, y'all. Not a heart attack, not a bullet, not a knife, right? Not growing old and die. Um, the death of the cross. He was eliminated, okay? He was executed. Wherefore, look what it says here. God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> See, so unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and then all this other stuff has to happen. Okay? Then the government shall be upon the shoulders. And we're going, they're going to call his name wonderful, but at some point, in everybody's life, they're going to bow down. At some point in everybody's existence, they're going to recognize that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that I'm thankful that you and I have done it in this life. Okay? I said it before. They're going to bow down, and not because they're going to be forced to. There's going to be a recognition. There's going to be an acknowledgement. There's going to be a realization that this Jesus that was preached all this year, all these years, and these stories that was this gospel story that's been told for centuries is true. And the folks that resist the gospel and the folks that suppress the truth and the folks that refused Christ are going to realize that they made a mistake. But by then, it'll be too late. Think about it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This salvation is for everybody. Everybody, every time period, everybody. It's just, it's almost too easy. Because Jesus has done all the work.
He's done all the work for this salvation. He has provided the salvation by himself and made it available to everybody else. Can you imagine? You know, there was a TV show when I was a little kid called um, Something About a Millionaire. And this guy, I don't know how he did it, but just randomly gave away money. He would send this dude out to meet someone and give them a million dollars. And they had the story about how what happened to the person who got the million dollars and things like that. It's going way back. I guess I'm the only one old enough to remember it. Okay. But, but this, what Jesus has done is better than that, y'all. He got the salvation freely given to anybody. Anybody. No matter what your background is. No matter what crimes you commit. No matter what the dirty dog you've been. Right? And a hater. You know, you know junkies, whores, and thieves, and liars, and cheats is what makes up the church. Because we used to be those things. All right? And this salvation covers all those sins. Right? Even, even the rules that were against us and the laws that pointed us out and caused us to be bigger sinners than what we realized we were has been erased. You know? It's been wiped out. And he's given us a new start. Right? And so it says here, it says here that everybody's going to acknowledge him one day. I'm thankful that we acknowledge him today or we have the opportunity to. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we celebrate the virgin birth, because he came into the world to do these things for us. And we can't read all the scriptures, as we have to read the four Gospels and all the letters and all the everything else, too. But this is why we're here. This is why we celebrate Jesus, because of what he's done for us. And this is no small thing. Because he didn't just beam down as an adult. He didn't send an angel to do it. He didn't delegate this thing to anybody else. He had 12 disciples, and he didn't delegate this thing to them. He did it himself. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for the rest of them. You know, you know he did it for the couple upstairs. <laughs> he, he did it for the boy around the corner. He did it for the drunkard. He did it for the rich man, the poor man. He did it for the boy, the girl, the everybody. He did it for everybody. Amen? And what he require of us? Trust him. Believe in him. For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. And it really is a gift. It's a gift. Amen? It's a gift of God. Now, I was in a discussion with a friend of mine yesterday, and we understand that all promises aren't gifts, right? When the people of Israel went into the promised land, they had to fight. They had to struggle for the promise. But you don't have to struggle for the salvation. This salvation is given, freely given. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He gave this up for us and for them. That's why we don't go around condemning people. We go invite them. We invite them in, and we, we invite them to Christ, and we warn them of the judgment. We give an invitation and a warning to help people out so they know to come because they have to make a decision. See, this is not one of those religions where because my daddy's one, I'm one too. You know? It's not one of those. I was talking to some kids, and um, child was telling me that he's one one. 
he's half Jew. He's half Jew because his dad's Jewish and his mother's Catholic, I think. And so he's half Jewish. You know? And I talked to another kid. He said, I have to keep my head covered. He's wearing a hood in school, right? And they have rules about that. But he has special permission to wear his hood because he has to keep his head covered. Because he's, he's, he said he's reformed Jew. I said, cool, all right. In the meantime, he's eating this piece of candy. I said, you know that candy's not kosher. He said, oh, I'll have to follow those. <laughs> the dude said, I said, so you eat a, a bacon cheeseburger? He said, oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> That's religion, y'all. You can have any religion you want. There's a group of people in prison who started a religion, and they have to be able to be able to, to perform their religious actions. And part of their religion was to have pizza once a week. And they got it because it was called religion. What we're talking about is not religion. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about relationship with the Father. We're talking about right standing with God. And you have that through Jesus Christ. <laughs> no other way. That's why we celebrate. That's why we act silly. That's why we, that's why we cry when we're not sad. You know, and that's why we do the things we do. Because we appreciate what Christ has done for us. Or we should appreciate it at least. There's more we want to talk about. We can't do it all in one setting. But we just want you to know, while you celebrate, while the, while the music is playing, while the bells are ringing, and the jingling and jangling and the stuff, and the colors and the, and the red and the green and the gifts, while we're doing all that stuff, let's remember why we're here and what it's really about. You know, while you're encouraging boys and girls to behave themselves and watch what they say and stuff like that, because somebody's watching. Let them know that somebody is the living God. Not the fat guy from the north. Amen? Amen. Because none, none of us is good enough to be on the nice list anyway. We're all naughty. Some of y'all don't want to admit it. You just, you're probably worse than the rest of us. Because you're deceiving yourself. Everybody's on the naughty list, y'all. That's why we need the salvation. Amen? <laughs> You're not even good enough to get a gift from fat man. Not in yourself. You need to be saved. We need to be saved. And Jesus is the only one that saves us and makes us right. Come on, let's stand together. We want to encourage you today. I know we took our time with this, but we want to encourage you today. If you haven't done so already, say yes to the Lord. He's done all the work. Remember this. He's done all the work. You know, we, church folk, we, we put stuff on people. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to take away this, take away that. We do the math with them all the time. But Jesus has done all the work for that salvation. 
no matter who we are, where we're from. And all you got to do is say, yes, Lord. Come into my life. Trust him. It's not even the words that you say. It's not even the shaking of the preacher's hand. It's not even the altar that you come to. It's the trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That's what it is. Trust in him. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. He died for our sins. He's risen again on the third day. And whoever believes in him shall be saved. There you go. And we want to encourage you, that in case you haven't done so already, in case you haven't done so already, we want to encourage you to believe Jesus now. Don't worry about the stuff you have to give up. We're not even telling you to give up stuff. We're telling you to bring the stuff with you to Jesus. Oh, but I, I can't give up that smoke. Bring the smoke with you. Bring the bottle with you. Bring the habit. Bring the stuff. Whatever it is, bring it with you to Jesus. He'll help you. He'll help you with it. <laughs> He'll help you with it. Now, we're not, we're not giving anybody license to do things that are not healthy, right? What we're saying, bring the unhealthy habit with you. Don't try to give it up first. Come to Jesus, and he'll give you the strength to give it up, what needs to be given up. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're also here to pray.